right, so today's reading is taken from Matthew 6, right in the middle of what is allegedly known as the Sermon on the Mount, uh, beginning with the 25th verse. What am I doing with this? Lay down the paper. Oh, so you. it doesn't blow off. <laughs> we have three <laughs> folks. If for those, by the way, Alan, I saw you. It's good to see you, Mr. Bozeman. Oh, good. Amen. Uh, May, yeah. May Marie signed on, and she's trying to watch from Talladega Speedway, oh, but her reception is spotty. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> All those cars. Anyway, um, what was I starting to say? Oh, if you come to this church, you just get used to the fact that we're nowhere close to perfect. And, and that... That's why you should watch services on Sunday, or at the very least come, because you never, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, there's other churches that say, you don't know what God's going to do. I'm telling you, we are living proof of that. So if you want to be entertained. <coughs> Matthew 6. If you decide for God, living a God life, God worship. It follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach and more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description but careless in their care for God. And you count far more than them. Has anyone, by fussing in front of a mirror, ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? Well, my husband's shrinking, but all this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think that it makes a difference? Instead of looking at fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shot, but have you seen the color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. By the way, look, man. It's incredible. God's creation is incredible. So, I took some brief notes because I didn't want to be real long, but to, it would be so easy to get on a long spiel about what our pets teach us, amen? Billy and I have never been, well, we were seven months together before we got our first pet. But from that point forward, there's always been pets in our house. You know? And somebody said to me the other day, because we, we've actually seriously been talking about the fact that, uh, you know, there's lots of dogs out there that need rescuing. And Rowdy's at that age where he could probably use some company. So we've been having this conversation back and forth whether we were going to get another dog or not. And somebody in the community said, at your age? <laughs> And I thought to myself, 
it doesn't matter. And they, and, they, and they followed that up with saying, do you really want to, do you know how old that you're going to be when this dog is such and such an age? Do you want to be taking care of a dog by then? And my answer to them is yes. Yes. Because I take seriously that little domain that God has given us to take care of those animals. I want to give you this note that I found as I was getting ready for today. Uh, comes from a, a pastor up in Canada uh, doing his St. Francis uh, Day sermon. And he says, and I quote, First, I want to address the variety of dogs and cats and all the other creatures here today. And I want to speak with you, the fish, the ferrets, hamsters, parakeets, and snakes that are here or listening today. You've been brought here or put in front by your human companions. You are here for your own sake, and you also represent all those who are not here. Animals of every kind, cattle, goats, horses, elephants, bees, cougars, crocodiles, pufferfish, eels, insects, we can't name them all. I want to announce good news to all you creatures. I want you to know that God loves you. God loves you for your own sake, not because of what you can do for humans. You want to hear that one again? God loves you for your own sake, not because of what you do for humans. You are good in yourselves. The good book tells us that God created you. Fish of the sea, birds of the air, creatures of the land, God looked at all God had created, and God saw that indeed it was very good. Amen. When God created you, God blessed you, told you to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. God gave you in huge swarms, in great diversity. God wants all of you to survive and to thrive on earth. God created the world for you, and so that is what you do to live. The psalmist tells us that God made the rain to water the trees, the trees for the birds to nest, the grass for the cattle to graze, and the crags as a refuge for the mountain goats. God wants you to receive food in due season and be filled with good things. So to all the pets that are sitting beside their owners this morning, or for all those pets that are here, hear this. You were wonderfully and uniquely made in the image of God. And you were blessed. Now, why are our pets important? What do they teach us? My God, they teach us about unconditional love. Amen? I, I can think about all of our dogs. Are they hearing us? Because this is not. So go ahead and put, let's put it down. Hello? Hi. You're for church, huh? No, no, come on, you're, you're fine. You. I'm just going to tell business And now we're having technical. No, we forgot to hook up the microphone. Okay. So are we back? You've always been back. Alive. Yeah, oh. I think. I think. So we just. So all of you at home just watched uh, the craziness with the camera. Anyway, where was I? 
Wonderful and uniquely made in the image Wonderful. of God. Yeah. That's right, for the pets. For us, what do our pets teach us? My God, they teach us so much. And if it isn't, if it isn't about unconditional love, what is it? Patience. I mean, well, patience. Amen. There you go. We, we can run down this. If you've got pets, you know what patience is. Amen. And and listen to this. A friend of mine sent this to me. It was an email that he sent, and he says, "You know, I know that you love your animals, and I know, Pastor, you're going to talk about it today. And here's how I know. You let them lick your mouth." Do you know why else I know that you love them? You pick up their poop. <laughs> I picked up kids' poop for about three years. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> but you all keep picking up their poop when they're young, middle-aged, and old. Why do you do that? Because you love them. Because they love us. It is with pure love. Un conditional love. They don't love us because we do things for them. those bang bang calls but you know what it doesn't matter what call i make Rand, 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 randy listen i'm thinking i'm channeling my dogs rowdy. rowdy will be right there it doesn't matter folks how bad a day you had at work even if you have fish and i know somebody are sitting there going but pastor all i have a fish right come home sit down in front of your tank and don't you know the stress just goes away it just goes away. I'm not a cat person, but I know lots of people that just absolutely love their cats. And their cats will come to them at times of when they're most stressed out. Some of us on the outside go, look, that cat's trying to get attention. Hell no, that cat is giving you attention. So what do our pets teach us? More than anything else. It's about love. It's also about conversion. I have a friend who saved a dog's life years ago. That dog showed up here at church and had become too big a problem for the person that it was with. And the person that it was with tried to rescue him, or her, I should say just tried to rescue her but he already had dogs and you know how that goes sometimes dogs don't get along with each other and so he brought it to church and you know in life we could make movies out of you know it was love at first sight Daisy showed up here and it was love at first sight with that dog did for my friend will never ever be written about. But he used to be 
a tad cynical. Everything had to have an answer. But you know what Daisy taught him? Nothing to be cynical about because Daisy's there. And Daisy's the center of the universe. What did Daisy teach him? You don't need all the answers because I'm here. So yeah, our pets teach us lots and lots of things. <clears throat> How to be good people. I'm going to conclude today with this story. Um, I wish I could give credit. I just found it. I don't know who wrote it. And I don't even know if this is a true story. It's probably not. But it makes my point. Animals are not merely here for our use or gain, but our conversion. So here's a story about a pig. It's not Wilbur in Charlotte's Web. But this pig is named Esther. It seems that Steve Jenkins was already in a bit of hot water with his partner, Derek. They had shared their home with two dogs, two cats, two businesses, plus a roommate. So one might anticipate the adding of a mini pig to the family would not go well. It began innocently enough a friend of Steve's needed to adopt out her mini pig, but it wasn't getting along well with the, because it wasn't getting along well with her dogs and the new baby. And Steve kindly told the friend, I'll think about it. But then Steve told her, yeah, I'll take the mini pig, because he was intrigued by the idea. <coughs> Besides, it was a mini pig. The night of the pin res pig rescue, he planned a special dinner for his partner to warm him up before broaching the subject of Esther the pig. But even with the dinner, the partner was furious. You know, this, folks, I get this. Billy doesn't let me go to the pet stores on Saturday. <clears throat> As Steve said, the only positive thing I could say was, she's a mini pig and she'll be small except that Esther didn't stay small. She grew from an adorable eight inches from the tip of her tail to a whopping, are you sitting down? 650 pounds. Wow. Um, length was a message. <laughs> it seems that she was the only mini pig, she was only a mini pig in someone's imagination. She actually was a commercial pig who had found herself saved more than once. As Esther grew, Steve and Derek grew and changed too. I'm going to stop here for a second. The fact that they're not divorced at this point in the story, amen. Okay? So, you know, that's the, that was the first miracle of God. Uh, the pig was part of their indoor family life. She chased the cats cuddled when she was tired. She jumped on the bed with the humans and the dogs and played with the dog's toys. After gaining Esther as a part of the family, Steve and Derek lost their appetite for bacon. Over time, they eventually became vegan. Now, more importantly, they quit their day jobs and moved in order to find a farm 
that was abandoned or they found a farm where they could take in abandoned or abused animals. And the name of the farm? The Happily Ever Esther Sanctuary. <laughs> How did Steve and Derek change so significantly? They were converted by the relationship with the pig. That was a relationship that should really not surprise us. The point of this story is obviously not to give, get you to stop eating meat. It is not to convince you to begin to take in all manner of animals into your home. It is simply to promote on this Sunday, in particular, a lingering question about what we invite and allow to influence us and what we refuse. Let me say that again. This is simply about the lingering question of what we invite and allow to influence us and what we refuse. What would it mean for us to perceive creation and God's creatures as capable of changing us for the better? What would it mean for us to be less human-centric and more creation-centric? What would it mean to halt our national discussions about how much we can obtain or derive from creation solely for our own needs and reframe the conversation around how we can appreciate, support creation for its own unique self, separate from our desired use of the animals and the environment, unquote. Mm. Brothers and sisters, that is what our pets teach us. God bless you. Amen.